For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 364 of This Old Marketing for Friday, February 24th, 2023. And with me, not as always, in fact, for the first time ever, well, not the first time I've seen this person and not the first time I've talked with this person, but the first time ever on This Old Marketing as a co-host. In fact, the last time I saw this person was at the Marketing Profs Conference. But nonetheless, my pal, a colleague, and a guy who makes Joe Polizzi think twice about saying he's tall, the very tall and handsome Mr. Paul Reitzer. Hello, my friend. How are you? I, I am humbled and honored to to be not only a guest on this show, which was how this started, then all of a sudden I am the co-host as Mr. Polizzi is off gallivanting around the world, I believe. Um, so this started as just, can you come on and talk AI? And then it became, yeah. hey, why don't you be the first host in the show's history with Robert? Yeah, so here there we you are. go. And it's it's because Joe's the big man of leisure these days. He, if you all will remember from the last episode, we talked about him taking his little February sabbatical, as it were, or February uh, leisurely trip uh, to somewhere warm where he could bask in the glory of the sun, get out of the cold Cleveland. And it is cold there in Cleveland because you're a Cleveland person yourself. Yes. I am, but it was 61 yesterday. Ah, it's warmer see, well, here than when I got back from San Francisco. <laughs> yes, maybe he's just maybe he's just uh he's faking. He's calling in sick here. We don't know. We don't know. Did I in any event, just accept the role to be the ongoing co-host of the show? <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be. You could have you could you could earn your way in here and basically uh, put Mr. Polizzi out of work. Um <laughs> which can I'm not again. sure what yeah, I'm exactly. <laughs> well, I've as I've said before, he's only retired one less time than Tom Brady. So um there we go. Um, well, for the folks who don't know you, and many of the audience will from your your proximity to content marketing world and CMO and all the things you do. But for those who don't know you, bring us up to speed. Where are you from? What do you do? And what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, so I started a, a marketing agency in 2005. And unbeknownst to Joe and I, we we were about uh, five to seven blocks from each other. We were living uh, <laughs> within a half a mile of each other and didn't know each other at the time when I started my agency in 05. And then in 2007, uh, PR2020 was the name of the agency. We became HubSpot's first partner and uh, started really doing a lot in content. We weren't calling it content marketing yet, but we basically created content to grow clients' audiences and generate leads. And so then uh, as Joe and I finally got connected somewhere probably around that time, 2007, 2008, uh, I started you know, really following along with Content Marketing Institute, which is probably around when you and I first met back in those days. And you know, we really got involved in that space, and uh, so yeah, I spent most of my time building that agency. I, I wrote a couple books, the Marketing Agency Blueprint, in 2011, and uh, that was actually the year that IBM Watson won on Jeopardy. And so I oh, started right. being very okay. curious about AI and like, what is it, and how can it be used, and can we create content with it? Can we write blog posts with it? Things like that, and that led me to just spend the next, you know, I guess 12 years now researching AI and. At some point, I started Marketing Institute and 
said, well, let's tell the story of AI, help other people figure this out. And, and for uh, about six years, we toiled away talking about AI and trying to get people to care. And then chat GPT showed up and <laughs> everybody started listening. So right. here we are. <laughs> yes. A nine, a nine year overnight success story, as they <laughs> yeah. say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of which, I mean, it is not a secret that chat GPT and AI have become sort of the bell of the ball, as it were, everybody is talking about it. I mean, even as we speak, there's news breaking. There's just news breaking seems like every single day. And so we wanted to dedicate this episode to talking about AI and really leveraging your expertise here. And I'm super glad I'm the one who gets to do it because it's something I'm absolutely fascinated with. I've been doing my own writing, but my own writing is definitely from the perspective of a marketer, not from someone yeah. who understands the ins and outs like you do. Um, and so we'll start as we always do uh, on the show. We'll start with a little bit of news um, and talk a little bit about the news. Now, the news we could cover, uh, and I would love to get your take on it, is something that is literally breaking as we uh, as we start talking today, which is the Microsoft integration of ChatGPT with Bing is just going a little bit haywire. They're not having they're not having the best day. Let's say you know if Google had a bad day last week, these guys are having a bad week this week. Um, and then the second, and we'll put this link in the show notes, of course, is uh, something that comes from Search Engine Land, um, and it is a story that Joe and I covered on the last show. But I wanted to get your take on it because I think it's such an important aspect for marketers, which is the headline is content creators are concerned with the new AI features in Bing and Google. And it's not about the will chat GPT take my writing job, but rather the search results uh, that are starting to really come at the expense of you know, what we all know is search engine result pages, which is a list of links here. And whether some publishers are going to start demanding royalties or whether some publishers are going to start to protect their content or whether some businesses are going to start to protect their content in order to not be spidered. Because if they're not the number one result, then where do they actually live in a world where there is only one answer from an AI engine? Anyway, I know that's a lot to start off with, but what's your take on on these two news items? Because they are related in a way. Yeah, they are. I mean, as you mentioned last week, and I think you and Joe talked about it on last week's episode, but you had, you know, Google kind of announces on Monday, they, they, they sort of pre-announced that they're announcing their BARD, uh, sure. which is their yep. language model. And then Tuesday, you have Microsoft actually like demos the, the Bing integration. And then Wednesday, you have Google demo BARD and it doesn't go so well for Google. So Google has a real bad PR week. Microsoft has a really good PR week. And now people, it, now it's out in the wild for Microsoft. And, and there are early users who have access to Bing in this new Bing chat and and they're getting to experiment with it. And it's, if you know how language models work and why Google hadn't previously released this into the wild themselves, it was sort of inevitable that humans would try and um, uh, push the AI to its limits, let's say. And so that's what's <laughs> happening. You have people that are that are I mean, let's be honest let's be honest they're stumping they're trying to stump the ai i mean they're trying i've to seen stump i've it. seen they're, some of those queries yeah yeah stumping it um like the new york times article today was was the that the bing itself sort of um tried to convince the new york times writer that 
that it was in love with him and that it it sh- that he should leave his wife for for Bing. And he was prompting it with things like, you know, how it learned and where its data comes from and what should it like, what should we know? What are its darkest secrets kind of thing? And it went there and it started like it talked about how it spied on its developers through their webcams and how its name is actually Sydney and like stuff that is crazy, but totally predictable that this was going to occur. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll get into the SEO stuff and the content stuff, but what's happening at a bigger picture here is these are very powerful AI agents and the people who build them don't really know what emergent capabilities they're going to develop. And so Microsoft is willingly, and OpenAI, letting this happen in the wild. And they're basically just sitting back and Unlike with Tay, their crazy chat bot a few years ago, they're they're allowing right. this thing to be out there learning, and it is it is crazy to watch happen. Honestly, is there a do, do you have and the and and it's perfectly fine. I'm just fascinated by the whole thing, and I was reading through some of the things you were reading through as well mm-hmm. with the 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 AI trying. There was another one where the AI was scolding the user for yeah. for asking really Be dumb a good or, user exactly <laughs> right you know Jeez. do you do you understand when you say that's totally predictable do you do you do you understand why that's totally predictable or is it just we know it's going to behave badly or do you sort of understand underneath the covers why it would be doing something like that yeah, I mean, without getting overly technical, it it learns sure. from a corpus of knowledge. So, in the case of right. you know GPT three or three point five, which is powering Chat GPT, it's what's called a language model, and that language model goes out and it's given a, a set of information. In this case, the internet, and it learns. It learns right. how to predict the next words in a sequence. And so, somewhere in there, though, it it learns how to behave in in ways like humans or human like behavior. So it appears as though it's all of a sudden has like emotions and things because that's what it saw in its training set. So this is the reason I say it's predictable is a Google engineer got fired because he went to the Washington Post with a story last year that Lambda, the the language model at Google, had become sentient because in his testing of that AI internally, he came to believe that it actually was aware of itself and it wanted out. And so he leaked the story, basically, or took the story out to the media that that this is what was happening and that Lambda was actually sentient and they had created an AI that was aware of itself. And so they they fired the guy. Well, that Lambda is the equivalent within Google. It's probably more powerful than what we're seeing. I, I know it's more powerful than what we're seeing from ChatGPT. And that's why Google hasn't released it. Like there's all these known issues with it beyond just bias. Like there's, how are humans going to react to this thing? Yeah. And so that that's where we're at, though, is this like open AI pushes this stuff out. Microsoft does the deal. They get it out into the world. And now you have this like race and and Google knows that this isn't probably the most responsible thing to do. And right. so we have these superpowers basically in tech pushing each other to probably do stuff that they internally are, are aware isn't likely the best thing at the moment. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we we as humans we are we are so prone to anthropomorphize things yeah. right you know when it comes to robots or machines or anything you know if it's got cute eyes basically we you know we we assign it some sort of emotional response there 
and this I, I i we can see this happening in real time too where people are you know even in the queries that that new york times reporter was putting through it's talking to the ai in a way that is a human talking to another human in other words the the reporter anthropomorphized the ai yes. and w- w- they're testing it for good reason i'm not suggesting that there was anything wrong with that but by treating it like an anthropomorphized human being why are we res- why are we surprised that it's responding that way right in other words it's going to look out you know into its learning model and if you start asking it about dark secrets it's going to start what did i learn about dark secrets you know right. what what are what are all the things that i know about dark secrets ah it's got something to do with love and jealousy and all those kinds of things and so we shouldn't be surprised if it starts responding in a way that what we what we've reflected in it yeah i mean i was at an event earlier this week with the ceos of uh cohere was there which is a, another language model company you had the ceo yeah. of stability ai who you know does stable diffusion the image generation yep you had yep. a vp from open ai um anthropic the, the they just got like 300 million from google the ceo of there so yeah these like these are the people building this stuff and they said point blank on stage that as they build these models, there are things that emerge from them that they had no expectation of happening. Like they're, they don't know what the end game is of some of the stuff that they're building. Like they're learning some of these capabilities as the public tests these things. That's what I'm like predicting it was going to go kind of south and people would push it was very predictable. Of course. How it's responding and like, the, the emotion that appears to be behind it, the synthetic emotion that appears behind it. I don't, I don't know that they know that. Um, so that's the weird thing here with AI is there are emergent properties that do develop that the people building these tools don't necessarily expect or plan for. And that's again, straight from the CEOs. Like they said yeah. this as much. So it's wild. <laughs> externalities with new technology i i'm shocked i'm shocked that there's yeah. gambling going on at the casino yeah <laughs> yeah well okay so let's talk through a little bit of this and how it pertains to content creators and marketers and all that stuff so when you see all of that like you go to the conferences you see these ceos you see the development and you've got a front row seat by the way to some of the things that you know we as I guess, consumers of it don't necessarily see. When you start looking from a content and marketing perspective, where are you most bullish um, about the capabilities and where are you most concerned about what the impact is likely to have in the short term, not in the long term, like not in the, you know, not the matrix is coming, but where in, in in the short and medium term, where are you most bullish and where are you most concerned? So if we stay in the kind of generative AI category, which yeah, of this, course, this yeah. will fit in. And I, but I, you know, again, I, even that term. So when we talk about generative AI, generally speaking, what the, what the industry means is you have text, you have image, you have audio and you have video. Those are kind of the four modalities of, of generative AI. So anywhere, like, so image generation fits in here, video generation, um, you just, I mean, I know you're a music fan just a couple of weeks ago, Google introduced music. LM, I think it was, which can generate music on the fly from a text prompt, um, stuff like that. So that's all in this realm. So I am, uh, I would say equal parts bullish slash excited and concerned on its ability to enhance creativity. So I think when used at its optimum, 
these tools have the ability to enhance what we create as professionals, whether you're a writer, a graphic designer, an illustrator, a video producer, whatever it is you create, you can dramatically augment your creativity and your productivity. That being said, there are a whole lot of people, and we'll stick with the creative realm, who are scared and don't understand what this means for their career, their profession, um, and the impact it's going to have on their ability to continue to do what fulfills them as a human. And it's those are very real concerns. Um, the first time Dolly, I had access to Dolly last year, my wife is an artist. And I walked downstairs from my office and I showed her and I was like, I don't even know how to explain this to you right now, but like, I have to show you this technology. And that was the moment for me that really started changing everything. Like I'd known some of the stuff was coming, but to see it and to be able to like create a prompt and get an output of an article or a image or a video is a very unnerving thing as a human to see if you sure. or a loved one is a creative person. Sure. Well, it, it's, it's, it's an equal part. And I think this is where you get some of the, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to call it overreaction, but I'll just, for the, for the moment, for the simplicity of it, I'll say the overreaction of it's stealing, right? It's, it's yeah. stealing my, you know, my art, it's stealing my creativity, um, which is, again, it comes back to that. It looks like a human copied it, right? It looks like someone has gone out and looked at templates and basically made something via that template and what the the reaction or overreaction is is that it has stolen that idea because you know it as opposed to when i do it as a human i'm learning and i'm and i'm i'm you know using that as my learning model of uh you know i want to paint like da vinci or i want to paint like andy warhol or i want to use the same techniques as of Kandinsky, or I want to create something that looks like an Ansel Adams photograph. So I learn from that and I take my, and by nature of the fact that there's the sort of also the, you know, the, the many biases we have as humans, because I did it, I'm doing it right. I'm doing it correctly because this other thing did it that I don't understand. It's stealing. It's a, it's a fascinating way that we rationalize that. And, 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 and and look at that. I mean, what what are you telling? What is the next level of that conversation that you're having with your wife or your kids about that that idea of what Dolly or the music or anything is doing? Is it is it that get used to it? You know, in other words, pulling the Clayton Christensen. It's you know, you may hate gravity, but gravity doesn't care. Or is it is it that you know these things are going to get worked out? Or what's the next part of that conversation that you have with your family? Yeah, so I'll, I've shared this story a, a couple times. I, I actually was never going to tell it, and then I, I decided to share it with my daughter's permission. But I'll, I'll take a moment and kind of give context here. So when I first got access to Dolly, um, showed my wife, you know, but I didn't, I couldn't build on it. I, I just saw it and showed her. So then I got yeah. access to Dolly a couple months later, and the night I got it, I used it. And I was like, oh my god, like I, I have to show my daughter this. She's ten. She wants to be an artist. And yeah. so I really debated on how to present it to her, but I sat her down the next day. I said, I want, you, I want to show you this new AI tool. Now my daughter knows more about AI than the average person. I mean, she's fully aware of how this <laughs> well, stuff works and how it learns and stuff. Sadly, 
dad, it's dad's job. So she, she, I'm I, sure I, at dinner, I'm sure at dinner time, the boring stuff that dad has. Oh, to I get the about. eye rolls. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I, you know, I get the eye roll on this one. I said, I want to show you this AI. And this is what fine. put foods on your table, young one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she says, fine. And I said, I need, just give me something you would want to create. And so after some consternation, she says, fine. How about a, a fat, fluffy unicorn dancing on rainbows? I was like, all right, cool. So I put it in Dolly and eight seconds later, I have six illustrations of a unicorn dancing on rainbows. Yeah. She gets up and walks out of the room. Wouldn't talk to me about it. Month goes by. We still have not talked about this moment. She comes out of my back patio. I'm sitting there working on my deck for our marketing AI conference. So this is like July. Um, and I said, hey, I'm going to tell the story of AI and creativity at, at Macon. Is it okay with you if I share how you know it made you feel? So yeah, that's fine. I said, okay, well, what? What did you feel when you walked out of the room? And she said, I don't like AI like you do. I said, I, mm. I don't, I don't like that it can do what you want to do and what mommy does. And I don't like that it can write like me. Like that's that's not the point here. My point is I need to understand this because it's not going away. And I need to help people like you and mommy and me figure out what it means. And so she's like, I get it. I just don't like it. So then that night we're laying in bed and she said, you know what bothers me about Dolly? And I said, what? She said, it's stealing people's imaginations. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, it's going online. It's seeing their pictures, their drawings, their paintings, and it's stealing. And those are people's imaginations. I don't ever want my work online because my imagination makes me who I am. And I said, that's the most profound thing I've ever actually heard. about AI. So. I tell that story because now when I give my position on this, a, a little context for people who don't know who I am. So I have this intense need to solve for this. There are people in my life who, who see art and creativity as what fulfills them as humans. <laughs> then there is the, the practical side of me that looks at this and says what you brought up, which is, how is it any different? Like my wife went, she's a painting major. She studied other people's artwork which inspired her to become the kind of artist she is. And within every drawing or painting or whatever, there's some little parts of something she learned along the way that she then puts an original spin on. But we all learn from a training set. And the AI's right. case, it's doing the same thing. It's going out, it's learning from a training set, and then it's creating a version of what it learned from. Now, the question right. is, did it have the rights to learn from that? Like that's why Stability AI is getting sued because they they took Getty images they didn't have the rights to. So you can get into the legal and copyright issues, but I think that there the, the future is really going to be more about it's not going away. We have to accept that it's there, and how do we embrace the parts of it that we find inspiring and use it to become better at what we do? I don't see ignoring it as an option. I really don't. As much as some people would like to do that, I, I, I don't. Now, that being yeah. said, we can get into a, a spinoff conversation, which I think authentic human content is going to take on greater value. And I don't know if you and Joe have gone down this path. Or no, not, we but. have. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely have. It's it's 100% agree with you, right? It becomes differentiating. And the... You know, and, and in fact, we talked about it last episode where we talked about the idea and it was in direct relation to the search engine land, which was, it was a question more than a statement that we had where we started thinking about 
when we start differentiating through our human created content, which I do 100% believe you when and 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 agree with you when that becomes you know, it almost becomes <laughs> there's the scene do you remember the scene in Blade Runner where where he's like you got a real snake? How do you, how do you afford a real snake? You know, and and it's it's that, right? It's it's the how do you afford real content, you know, real human generated content? That's that's precious, that's desirable. And the question based on the search engine land thing is do we start to put up walls around it? In other words, do we do we prevent Google or Microsoft or others from pulling that content into learning models so that we can continue to differentiate. In other words, I think this is where Google and and Microsoft really have to tread water very carefully here because the knee-jerk reaction, again, good or bad, may be protectionism, right? Where we protect our human ideas from the AI in a way to create that exclusive relationship with audiences. And we say, you know what? We're not giving it to Google anymore. It doesn't benefit us anymore to give it to Google. It doesn't benefit us anymore to give it to Microsoft. So we might as well keep it for ourselves and just find audiences in different ways. Yeah, it's a tough path. I feel like you would need a really organized large-scale effort for media content creators to come together to make an impact in that way. Because sure. If you're oh, the yeah. It can't engine, happen like, just one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, what do I care if your little site is, but the other 99 give me access to the same content? Exactly. Like yeah. So I think the, and I, I'd be curious to get your thought on this. The, the position I've been taking more mentally in the last week is I think like podcasts, videos, live events, I feel like those parts where I know for a fact it is it is a human I am hearing it's their point of view it's unscripted I think that's where the the greater value like I think the articles you're just never going to know moving forward like how much did this person really write this and I know that person but I I don't know whereas if if they're listening to this this is us if they're coming right. to an event and seeing us on stage it's us like if there's a video and I'm just like giving my I feel like the unscripted True human stuff is, is where the opportunity lies moving forward. I, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that. I think that's it. I think you know it 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 puts a premium on the human experience, right? Yeah. Where you know, and I mean, there's a whole other conversation to have around deep fakes and all of that. Yeah. Um, I just I, I noted that uh, uh, this week. Uh, there was an article about Keanu Reeves, who is now put into his contract that you can't digitally alter his performance, yeah. which is really the application of a deep fake, right? We always talk, think about the, you know, oh, somebody's going to impersonate a politician or somebody's going to impersonate uh, somebody saying something awful and and all of that. But the real app, the short term, at least application of something like a deep fake is in enhancing or augmenting an actor's performance. Um with uh, with special effects and 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 Keanu has basically put in his contracts that that's you can't do that, hmm. which we could talk about whether that's basically like when the record companies said they weren't going to make MP3s, right? But right. you know, so how or long auto tune anybody <laughs> exactly <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. What it is auto tuning. That's that's right. But <laughs> but to your point, I think what it does is that it does differentiate exactly what you're saying the physical experience which has become more of a premium. In other words, actually seeing someone do something, actually going to a concert or going to a theater or going to visit 
and hear a keynote address because it is definitively us and there's a mm-hmm. value in that experience. Um, and also where it is, you know, I could I could see a thing where we 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 see certified, you know, certified original or certified, you know, certified human seems weird, yep. but 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 you know, where where things are, you know, this is the I was listening to a fascinating discussion, I think actually coming from Microsoft talking about the application of AI and the sort of arms race in going back and back and forth about okay, can you de- can you detect it right? Can you and and the 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 Microsoft uh, expert was saying yes, but that's not the way to do it. In other words, it's not to say it's not to build an arms race where you're constantly trying to detect the fakes. It's actually creating a system where you certify the original. And, you know, so if you make an image, there's a little, there's a little button up at the top, a little, you know, a a certified image, digital watermark that says this is an original piece of artwork. This is an original human created piece of art, or an image or a piece of music or uh, text. So certifying the human created rather than trying to always detect which and getting into an arms race with trying to detect the fake. Um, And that is to me is, 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 is a directionally certainly i don't know at all specifically but directionally it feels like that's the way we're going yeah i i I don't know how they do that honestly i am with you and i've thought about this a little bit i there's there's times where i just have to like pick my lanes of like where do i want to develop like deep expertise on oh of course and i have definitely chosen that the verification of authenticity around content and how much the AI played into it, I've kind of come to accept that I don't think it's possible. I, I think that you, just like with search engines and how there's SEO industry is always trying to kind of stay one step ahead of the algorithm, or at least figure out the algorithm and manipulate it a little bit, you know, white hat, whatever hat, like, you know, is it legal what we're even doing? I think that's going to always be the case moving forward with the content is you're always going to, you have some people who choose to just try and fool it. We're going to take the short route, but we need to like manipulate it a little bit so that we don't get caught that AI did this. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a lot more on um, people's morals around it and a well, lot right? more on trust yeah. that like, yeah. like you're seeing scientific journals saying you cannot have an AI co-author. You cannot have, you can only use it in these certain ways. So like I'll tell you at the Institute, what we've chosen to do so far is we published our responsible AI manifesto a couple of weeks ago. And within that manifesto, there's 12 principles about our use of AI. And at the bottom, we actually clearly state, this is how we use AI in our content creation process. So rather than me have to like every article say, we used AI for this purpose and this article and this purpose. It's just like almost going to be like a terms of service kind of link I'm envisioning at the end of each article. If you'd like to learn how we use AI in our content, click here. And it would just take you to the responsible AI manifesto and you would see, oh, okay, cool. Like this is their point of view on AI. I think that's a really logical way for people to do it. Then you don't have to explain it every single time. I I certainly love that for 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 the short and medium term, right? Yeah. To, it's to like give. an individual. Just take it on yourself. Like law is not going to catch up yet. We're not going to have industry standards. I think That's each right. company just has to has like this is what we believe in how we're approaching it. That's right. It's not unlike the early days of the internet, right? It's yeah. the you know where we used to have our you know uh, all of our policies and everything you know linked at the bottom and and all of that all of that sort of thing. 
Well, okay. So last question before we mm-hmm. get to our rants and raves uh, section here. Um, so we spent a lot of time talking about generative AI and content and search and all those kinds of things. What are some of the developments in marketing AI specifically that we're not talking about right now, right? You you posted this very interesting thing on social media, uh, which I just found fascinating. Um, and again, it is a little bit of gener- related to generative AI, yeah, but it's, it's more of a... Yeah. Yeah, that video generation, but it's also video creation and video application, like where you take a image and it animates an image. It's talk a little bit about that. And then also tell me a little bit about what we're not talking about that we should be paying attention to. Yeah. So the thing you're referring to is called Gen One. It's from a company called Runway, runwayml.com. And I've been following them for years. I actually got a license sometime mid last year. It's like 28 bucks a month just to give people perspective. Like these aren't just enterprise tools. Like, $28 $28 a month, you get access to their AI magic tool suite, which has like 30 pre-trained models that don't require editing any coding to use. Like you literally just put prompts in and it generates stuff. Yeah. So the new thing they just announced is you can take a video of anything and you can through text prompting or through image synthesis say, okay, here's a video of me walking through my house. Like just a selfie of me walking through my house and I'll like, you know, dodge the chair and do these different things. And then I can say, turn it into an Indiana Jones-like video. And the thing will like layer. And I saw a guy do this this morning. That's why it's top of mind for me. It'll layer over the feel of an Indiana Jones movie. And it'll turn all the objects into like pyramid obstacles and things like that. And so that's where that's going. The example they use in that, it's like a minute and a half trailer. Just watch it if you want to like really see what's possible. And it'll be like, oh, turn this video into claymation. And it's like, boom. Now the whole video is in claymation. So stuff that, I mean, I gave the talk last week to a group of multimedia students at Ohio University, and there's a bunch of video production people in the room. I showed that trailer. Their their floors were on the ground, or their mouths were on the floor. Like, their yeah. just chin dropped. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Guy raised his hand, should I change my major? Like, what was that? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. So I think just that if you know the companies to watch, and you know, again, generally images, audio, text, and video, just assume all things related to generating that kind of stuff is going to keep going up at an insane rate. The abilities of these AI, you'll watch the space differently. So definitely that. And then the thing we're not talking about is that I'm a big believer that AI is going to play a major role in the personalization of content and the promotion of that content. And and then in in decision-making like strategy, which was the thing that got me into AI, you know, 13 years ago, whatever it was now. And so I think that everyone's very focused on chat GPT and AI writing tools as they should be. It is it is a very logical entry point, but they just need to realize that AI is much, much deeper in its capabilities and applications. And so once you kind of start solving for these initial use cases, just know that there's a whole nother world that's going to open up around intelligent automation of tasks, personalization of experiences and content and enhancement of decision-making as an organization. Like those are kind of the three main buckets I talk to people about. Yeah. That's, and that's one of the ones that I'm most excited about is that helping with decision-making idea where you look at, you know, and there are already some providers out there that were, you know, it's funny that some of the generative AI content creation companies now started in this uh, started in the you know in governance and helping people make better decisions about data and consistency in their content and analyzing corpuses of content and 
sort of uh, providing that before they even got into generative stuff. And it's 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 a fascinating thing that has quickly sort of been eclipsed by this whole content creation thing, but is some of the more interesting things, I think, um, when uh, when you get down to it. Okay. Now it is time very quickly for our rants and rave section where, well, Paul and I will go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we've turned into the machine or something that makes us feel like, you know, we're still human. <laughs> so uh, you go first. I have a very quick, I have a very quick, uh, I don't know if it's a rant or commentary, but you go first and and what is on your mind rant or rave wise? My, my rant slash fear is that people who don't really understand AI, who just like play with ChatGPT or these other tools, and, and then they start making decisions around their team, their business strategy based on a very limited understanding, they're going to make a lot of very poor decisions. And so example here, a very tangible example is I have heard from companies that are thinking about laying off writing workforces, like they're writers. Oh um, my God. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like, well, what do we need writers for? And it's like, no, 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 that is, that, that is not what, what we need to be talking about here. But because of the economy and the, the focus on efficiency and, and driving costs down, I just, I really worry that there are going to be a lot of very poor business decisions made that will affect marketers and writers this year due to a misunderstanding of what AI is and how it works. Fascinating. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, you're hundred percent right. And it's, Unfortunately, it comes at the exact wrong time when companies are looking for excuses to re- reduce their workforce. Um, and you know, this is just like, oh, okay. they're all looking at that BuzzFeed thing, going, you know. And if you don't know what I mean by the BuzzFeed thing, just go look it up. BuzzFeed and AI and what they're doing with writers there. It's 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 insane. So yeah, good. I, I like that very much. Um, I'm going to very quickly just my commentary is on some of the software providers that are out there providing these same things that you're just talking about, these tools that marketers are looking at to generate this content. And it's a positioning thing. And so me as a marketing guy, I'm just like looking out there going, the ones, there there are certain companies, and I'm not going to call anybody out here, but there are certain companies that are talking with this same set of lucid, smart, in-depth, careful crawl, walk, run ideas that you just spent the last 50 minutes talking about. And then there are those who are I think exacerbating exactly what you ranted about by saying it's magic or you know you can you you can double your content team by you know immediately adding you know 1400 writers to your staff by putting in this thing or auto magically create everything and and it's this idea that all of the, all you need to do is install this software and 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 you know you can just go out and look at the positioning of these different companies and see which ones I'm talking about and I my prediction and my rant, if you will, is all those ones that are predicting magic are going to crash and burn. And the ones that are taking this, hey, this is a good tool. You should look at it. It's slow going. Fix your processes. Use it. You know, enhance your people's talents. Those are going to be the ones that you should take an extra look at because they're going to be around for the long haul. That's that's my that's my take. I think that. it's a great take. I, I I always tell people it's human plus machine is the path forward. And every tool you buy should just be enhancing what you're capable of. And what you need to know is, okay, once I have this tool, what am I going to do as the human and what is the machine going to do? And how does that affect my productivity and my workflow? And what else can I do as a result of the time I'm going to save with this tool? Like, It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. You're trying to infuse these tools into your, your work. I love it. I love it. 
All right, mister, what, where can people find more of you? Where can people register for your amazing event? Where, you know, give us a, give, give us a plug. Yes. Marketingaiinstitute.com is the home base for everything, online courses, events, um, content. And then LinkedIn is sort of my home base on social. I'm, I'm active on, on Twitter, but I, I personally actually find a ton of value in engaging with people on LinkedIn. So uh, reach best, out yeah. there and, and send me a message. Let me know you heard me on, on this show. Hopefully tell me how much better host I am than Polizzi. I won't there tell we go. him, but like, you know, just, <laughs> just, just so yeah, yeah, reach out there. It's the best way to get in touch with me. Just generally rag on Joe. That's that's pretty <laughs> much our, our mantra here. Um, yes. So thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate you filling in. This is uh, so much fun. Uh, I'm so fascinated with this topic. And thank you all uh, for this. We will be back next week, of course, with a regularly scheduled This Old Marketing with our friend Joe Polizzi. And just remember, until we see you next week, it is your story to tell. Tell it well, even though you're going to tell it from a human perspective. We'll see you next week. 